time to go big or go home with the division manager of primary residential mortgage in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Now, here's the entrepreneur and mortgage extraordinaire himself, James Harper. What would your mama say? Go big or go home. Thank you everyone for tuning in and listening to this week's podcast of Go Big or Go Home. We're coming to you from our secret headquarters in uh, beautiful Hendersonville, Tennessee. The sun is shining and the temperature is perfect today, so we, uh, we're in a nice positive state going into this session of Go Big or Go Home. So let's get things going, and today hopefully we will provide you with some bit of inspiration or motivation to move the needle in your life. Uh, I'm James Harper once again, and my goal is to help you discover who you really are and what you're meant to do in your next chapter of this thing called life. And so I want you again, as I say every show, to sit back for the next uh, 30 to 45 minutes and think bigger and more exciting things for yourself. I believe that everything is possible if you kind of leave your excuses at the door. Uh, so, listeners, uh, welcome Danny Hale to the show today. Danny comes to us with a uh, plethora, I le- love using that word, of experience that he will share, some good and maybe some not so good. Uh, but his passion for not quitting or giving up is the real message for today. Uh, Danny began his career in the home building industry in 1985, seems like a long time ago, and but also probably seems like yesterday to you. Uh, And Danny's basically been in the real estate industry for over 30 years now and has done a a wide range of projects ranging from, uh, as I said, the home building side of things, home building, uh, building houses and home building to uh, land development, to property management. And I'm sure he'll share a few other things uh, of what he's gotten into. Um, really not sure what Danny uh, uh, currently owns or uh, some of the companies he has outside of Halo Realty in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Uh, but welcome to the show, Danny. Thank you, James. Appreciate uh, we, you we're, having uh, me here. Yeah, we are, we are very happy to have you here today. And, and we want to get things started right off the bat. And we want to just kind of tell us where you grew up and, and what's, what your life was like uh, as a kid. Sure. Well, James uh, grew up here in Middle Tennessee in Mount Juliet and uh, had a good childhood, uh, intact family. Um, uh, We had, uh, you know, we were a blue collar family trying to make it in a middle class neighborhood um, uh, with lots of challenges growing up. And uh, my father was in the building construction business and my mother worked for the federal government. And um, uh, we... uh, you know, I, I tell people when I was growing up, my parents provided everything I needed, but if there's anything I wanted, I needed to get that on my own. All right, so let's talk about that. I know uh, we've we've shared on the show a, a few times. Uh, you know, I think when you're younger, you always uh, you have this innate ability or intuitive ability to kind of uh, somewhat know what your real uh, personal trait or your personal characteristic is about yourself. And I know when I was growing up, I was selling everything. and But yet I went into engineering, uh, which doesn't make any sense. And that's another whole story in itself. Uh, 
but I but I was selling anything from cheese and sausage to newspapers to uh, uh, selling baseball cards. Um, what are some of the things that you did as a kid that kind of helped prepare you for your entrepreneurship as you got older? Sure. I was the youngest of three children, so I had the benefit of watching my brother and sister make many mistakes growing up, mm. and I usually would pivot in the different direction. Uh, so uh, I was blessed to be the youngest of three, um, so I avoided a lot of the trouble that they got into. Uh, I knew where to uh, hide the cookies, so to speak, uh, so that I wouldn't get caught. But uh, I started working when I was 10 years old, running the paper route, 3 o'clock in the morning, did that all the way through high school. I played football in the, after, you know, in the afternoon, practiced sports, other sports. And uh, the only time I had to make extra money was in the morning, so we would get up about three o'clock, run a paper route, and um, of course that you know when you, when you're used to getting up at three o'clock in the morning, um, uh, it gives you a, a different perspective on the day. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I don't even know if paper routes exist anymore. Um, <laughs> they do, <laughs> well, I, but know, there's not many of them left. I've, I haven't seen any young kids uh, throwing papers around like we like we did when we were growing up, but. Uh, but you know, definitely times have changed, and you know the work ethic uh, out there in, in the world and some of the younger generation. I mean, it's it's just even hard to explain uh, that you know some of the things we used to do as a, a younger child uh, to to buy, try to make ends meet, to try to buy those expensive things. I remember I I saved up all my money uh, to buy my very first polo shirt. My mom wouldn't buy it for me, right? And uh, I just had to have this polo shirt and I'll never forget it. It was dark green and with a, with an orange emblem on it. And I thought, man, I, when I bought that, I thought I was number one rich and number two, I thought I was the coolest thing in the world. But what I, what I got from that little experience there was the feeling of pride, the feeling that I worked for something and I got what I wanted and it wasn't necessarily to be a status quo. Well, maybe it was back then. But reflecting back on it today, it was really just about uh, achieving something um, and being in a status of, of positivity in my own mind. And so one of the things that I wanted to ask you, because I think we all, um, we kind of get in this negative state sometimes, even as... as, as um, uh, successful as you've been in your journey through life and your ups and downs, but certainly even where you are today, I'm sure you go through times where you don't feel so positive about uh, what you're doing or the state that you're in. Uh, how do you respond to that? Well, at my age, it's more complacency that bothers me more than anything. You get mm. to a point in life where you are comfortable, and that is a scary place to be, right? Because you you're afraid to go out and make new challenges on yourself, you're willing to take you're unwilling to take risks. That's the biggest challenge currently that I that I uh, face. Uh, because you know if you're not willing to take risks, there's going to be no reward. Mm-hmm. And so so that we're, we're, I want to come back to that because that's a very very uh, key word there. You said is complacency. Um, but there was a time in your life when you weren't complacent and you did take those risks. So what was the very first risk that you that that stands out in your mind that you had to go big or go home because you you knew all your chips were in the 
in the pot. Well, I can probably tell that well, story. There might be a few of them. Yeah, there's probably be a few probably a few of those, but I was 19 years old. I'd always had a dream of going to University of Tennessee. Mm. From the time I was a childhood, I was born on campus at University of Tennessee. All of my family was from Knoxville. That was always my childhood dream. Graduate high school, no money to go to uh, uh, university on, so I go to Vol State Community College for a couple of years. Uh, after my sophomore year there, uh, still trying to struggle on how I'm going to get the money to go to, to school. So my dad approaches me and says, hey, I've got an idea. There's, let's see if we can find a lot, and if you'll help me build a house this spring, the spring um, uh, quarter at that time, the uh, college was on quarter, said we will make any money on it. We'll, I'll split the money with you, and uh, you can take yours and use it on your tuition uh, to go to school. I said, well, that's a great idea. So sure enough, uh, we started construction in the spring. Uh, we started building the home ourselves. We bought a lot, had a, a realtor help us. Um, and sure enough, a couple of weeks into the project, somebody comes along, realtor comes back, says, look, I've got the house sold for you. Mm. That's great. I've got the money to go to school on, right? So uh, everything is good. And uh, so we continue construction throughout the summer. And, you know, another six weeks comes in, the realtor comes back and says, hey, guys, you're not going to believe this. But he said, I've got two more clients who would like for you to build this same house on two more lots I've got down at the end of the street. Would you be willing to do it? Well, we looked at each other and said, sure. It's so easy the so first time. that summer, <laughs> I made more money than an 18-year-old ought to have, right? Uh, and the uh, – my die was cast. Uh, there was no more going back to the university. Well, so I went you, all in. So were you project managing uh, this, or were you actually no, hands-on? Brother, we were. Uh, I, I tell the story that the first day we were there, my dad handed me a shovel, and I said, what's that for? He said, we're going to dig the footings. All right, so uh, you and your dad actually did the raw labor. On all the, of it. All of it. Yeah. Every bit of it. We dug the footings, laid the concrete block, framed the house, put the roof on it, put the siding on it, uh, put the stone on the foundation, uh, set the cabinets, put the drywall in, we were all in. Yeah, and so what was the biggest thing you learned just from building that very first house? It, you know, not only just personally, but uh, just what it do for you? I learned the cost of getting those calluses on your hands that my dad had always had. You know, how do, you, how, how do your hands get that rough? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know? And, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because uh, I want all the listeners to know that this wasn't, like it was a an investment opportunity that you and your dad had yes there was investment from monetarily but you did your investment was also your labor he took his life savings i took a little bit of money from a student loan that i'd already borrowed we went all in on this i mean it was it was make or break yeah from the very beginning that's awesome yeah. and so uh when you were when you were going through that particular experience um did you, did you at the moment, and this is a long time ago, not to reflect your age or anything, but when you were going through that, was there fear? Were you scared or were you just so into the moment that you didn't want to, I mean, all you saw was what was right in front of you and you were just plowing ahead? You know, James, when you've got nothing to lose, it's pretty easy to take a risk, right? So we had a little bit of cash. That was it. And we went all in. Uh, was it scary? I don't think so. I don't think Probably I was. Probably not at 18 for not you, at 18, maybe for your dad. For my dad, it may have been, yeah. Right. 
And uh, but um, you probably didn't know any better. I didn't know any better, right? <laughs> right. And uh, so, so uh, but uh, I learned a, uh, you know a lot of lessons that summer, and um, uh, were able to parlay that into what's been a thirty-year career. All right. So, what was your next parlay? And what and what was that next parlay that helped uh, or said, hey, I, you know, I'm going to take a chance again, and. I mean, I'm sure there were several things in between, but what was the next major milestone of a parlay? Sure. So after building four or five homes and and kind of getting to know the hands-on construction methods on how to do that, um, realtor over in Wilson County, now now deceased, she came to me and said, hey, I've got this uh, property that I would, you know, I've got for sale. I can't get anybody to look at it. Would you be willing to come look at it? I said, well, you know. I'll come look at it. I don't know that I have the money to buy anything. Well, she takes uh, takes me to the property, and, and she, you know, it wasn't the best property in the best location at the time, uh, but she takes me to the property, and and uh, we look at it, and and they want sixty five thousand dollars for this home and five acres, and um, while I was standing there, I said, and I had no way to know whether I could buy it. And I said. Uh, if we can get financing, I'll buy it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> nice and confident. So, so we went to the bank uh, and we put a contract on it. We went to the bank uh, and I kind of did this on my own. I went to the bank and uh, they uh, put in an application. Now, remember, I'm, I'm at this point I'm probably 19 years old. Uh, the bank goes out, sends an appraiser out. Thankfully, he didn't go in the house. He did a drive-by appraisal, and it appraised for $120,000 piece of property I was paying $65,000 for. So I went to the bank to close out on the property and uh, uh, we had sold a couple of houses so I had the money for the down payment but I go into the bank and they hand me a check back for $19,000. And I'm you know I'm just kind of keeping my mouth quiet because I'm not sure sure what's going on here and well they had had it appraised and back then the lending laws weren't as they are now right. so they loaned me based on the value of the property not based on the purchase mm. price mm. so i went in here bought the property and walked out with twenty thousand uh, uh, dollars and and i was in the development business you know yeah uh, yeah i mean i wow that that is it that is interesting yeah and so you thought how long has this been going on and let's keep oh, doing it listen i thought that i'd been cast when i built those first couple of homes and made a little bit of money but when i made the money and i don't remember how much the total was maybe 80 or a hundred thousand dollars on that first development deal i did i knew what i was going to be doing the rest of my life right know? and yeah. how old were you then 19 19 yeah so needless to say uh uh knoxville never happened i've been to a lot of football games but i never <laughs> went to school there yeah you got a taste of the money you got a taste of, um, and it's really not about, yeah, I mean, of course it's about the money, but what you started realizing by being able to make money is the freedom that it opened up for other things, whether that's your personal life, whether that's traveling, whether that's, uh, doing other deals, it gave you flexibility. Um, and I've always said it's really hard to, uh, get ahead in life sometimes just making a paycheck. Um, and, and, um, a lot of people, a lot of listeners out there will say, well, that's all I can do. That's all, that's all I'm willing to, you know, I can't gamble on my family, uh, on my, um, not being able to provide for my kids or education or my spouse or maybe extended family. What do you, what would you say to those people, um, 
that haven't been able you know before you answer that um it's interesting because my daughter is uh i get a call from the school yesterday and she's getting tested for the gifted and talented and and uh and so i'm very proud of her for that and i'm, I'm super excited about it but when i was listening to the coordinator explaining how the reason why at the age of 10 or fourth grade they want to start testing children for this is because they research has shown that if they don't grab a hold of that creativity or that artistic ability or or whatever is uh you know their their calling is or whatever their highest and best use is as a, as on this earth it gets suppressed and it never comes back right and i thought that was just a fascinating um uh phenomenon there because i think that's what happens to a lot of people out in the world uh, my mom i didn't even know she was an artist she started painting these beautiful paintings at like age 60 right and i never knew she was that artistic but it had been suppressed for all of these years now she's out selling some of her her art yeah that's fantastic and so i, I wonder how many well, I know there's millions of people out there that have probably suppressed what their higher calling is or what they're what they really feel like they want to be doing or should be doing, but they just don't want to take that jump. Right. Any thoughts of 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 that as it relates to our listeners and and um you know, for those that maybe don't have the money to get something started, it doesn't mean that that's it doesn't have to be entrepreneurship. It could be um, um, you know, starting a charity or it could be art, right? You know, whatever that might be. Well, I'll go back to this. When I was probably the most sage advice or bit of wisdom I ever received was from my father who had an eighth grade education. Mm. He said, the difference with growing up, the difference in us and rich folks, uh, we work for our money and the rich folks money works for them. Mm. Right? Right. So you have to get in a position to have your money working for you so that when you're sleeping, your money's earning a uh, return. Mm-hmm. Very good. When you're at work, your money's earning a return. And hopefully sometime in your life, you'll get to the point where your investments are greater than your paycheck. How do you do that? Well, there's nothing wrong with working 80 hours a week. I've done it. I still work 55 to 60 hours a week. Now, when I take my time off, I take time off and enjoy it. But when I'm at work, I'm willing to commit 50, 55 hours a week. Uh, usually, you know, the last one there when everybody else is gone to be able to sustain uh, the uh, position that that I've gotten to, right? right. So right. if you're working a 40-hour-a-week job, that may not be enough. Maybe you need to do something else on the weekends to earn enough money so that you can start making investments in in uh, different areas of your life, right? Um, and so I think that's important to know that, you know, don't look at life as a 40-hour week. There may be a day when you can work 20 hours a week, but if, you, if you're not taking risk and going all in and you're, and you're in a job that you enjoy and, and you're having fun, it's okay to work a little more to get something to start your investment with. Yeah. So let's uh let's keep on going through your timeline here and so uh so you've started this uh home building career you've started this development land development uh career very early on 
And uh, then you also then proceeded to jump into buying and selling real estate as a realtor for uh, a real estate, local real estate company here. Um, what was next? What was next? What, what kept you, what was the next big thing that you wanted to do or jump into or did? You know, James, when I was young, I, I, I kind of consider myself an observer of people, mm-hmm. right? I try to watch what other people do and emulate those things that other people you have did success that. You did that to your brothers and sisters. I did that with my brothers and sisters. I did it with my father. I did it with my mother. Uh, the things that they could do well, I would try to emulate those. The things that they weren't very good at, I would observe that and stay away from it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, Or try to improve on it if I thought I could accomplish that. So uh, understanding what your calling is and and really boiling it down to the one thing you know there are people that are always trying a a new scheme or a new uh focus or trying to reinvent themselves and really what it's about is taking all the things that you can imagine you're doing and start narrowing that down to the one thing that you're good at that you're happy at doing and that you're successful at and if you're happy at what you're doing you will be successful at it eventually yeah, and successful doesn't always mean monetarily, uh, but most of the time that's what does happen. Um, most of the time that if you're truly happy with what you're doing and, and you just, you're just you all in, or you dive into whatever that passion is, naturally things uh, transcend themselves into ultimately making money. You have to continue to uh, redefine success, and I'll give you an example of that, and I do that when we have new agents come on board at our company. We define success for them. We are going to help you be successful. But the, in order to be successful, you have to define what success is to you. So mm-hmm. let's say that you're retired um, uh, from an engineering company and you're looking for something to do in your retirement years. Well, success may be to you of being able to work 15 hours a week and, and earn an extra $12,000 for the year. And if you can do that and you can play golf and you can winter in Florida, that is success to you, right? You take a young person just out of college, success to them may be uh, 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 getting a promotion to, ma- to the point where they're making $50,000 a year. Somebody that's making $50,000 a year and in, in their first decade of, of uh, uh, work, uh, success to them may be, uh, you know, I'd be successful if I could ever save up enough money for a down payment on a home. Mm-hmm. And then there are those people that, that go into business and they really don't define success uh and so they really know never know if they were successful or not Mm -hmm. because if you don't define it Mm -hmm. how can you measure it right yeah absolutely um and so you kept on going and uh did you ever fall down did you ever did you ever find did you ever have a low point where you said man this didn't go so well and what was that yeah, but there's, you know, in all of our lives and, and things like that, people suffer, you know, through personal tragedies, divorce. Luckily, I've never been divorced. And I think that two greatest things that have happened in my financial life have been never being divorced. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Right? That's, that's true. That's huge. Uh, Ooh, yeah. And the other thing is having uh, some struggles early on in my career. When I was in my 20s, uh, the 86 tax law went into effect. Well, by 1989, all of the savings and loans in America, essentially every one of them went out of business, right? They all failed. The FDIC, uh, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, was on the verge of failing. And the government, the Congress, had to come in and set up what they call the RTC, the Resolution Trust Corporation, to take over distressed assets from the FDIC. 
who were taking them over from the various banks that were going out of business, all because of the stroke of a pen on 86 tax law. So this banking crisis that we went through uh, in the 2000s uh, was really, from bank failure standpoint, was nothing compared to what we went through in the late 80s, right? Mm-hmm. So we get into a situation where um, uh, the banks are cutting off lines of credit. And so we had a, a builder line that was cut off as our main builder line. And so it took some time to struggle back from that and, you know, uh, uh, got to the point where we had to start negotiating with some of our vendors to pay them later than uh, would normally be the case, you know. And, uh, you know, you go through two or three years of that uh, before you get back on your feet. And so you just have to say all in, you know, if I owe you money, I can't pay you today, but I will pay you. So stick with me. And uh, luckily, we had good vendors and, and good friends in business. And we were able to struggle through that and come out better on the other side. Yeah, I know uh, for everyone out there in sales, I know me personally, when I've been in some really tough spots in my own business, uh, I've always, I, I never have always known what the immediate or the, the long-term solution is. And maybe sometimes I'm always trying to figure that out and still even today. Um, but one thing I always know that's going to give me immediate relief is selling. I'm, I can sell myself out of whatever situation I might be in to get into a better place, um, you know, whether that's for my personal or my business. And sometimes uh, you just got to pull your bootstraps up and, and just get to work. Yeah. And, I, and uh, you know, the younger generation out there is having a hard time with that, of just pulling their bootstraps up and getting to work. And, uh, and it's not to stereotype uh, the younger generation compared to our generation. Cause by no means am I trying to do that. Um, but at the same time, it, there's just, you know, you can just look all the way down to trades, right? Trades just aren't taught in school. It's not anyone's fault in our generation, but our society in general, those, those opportunities just aren't there like they were when we were younger. And so it's starting to have a compound effect in our country. I will tell you, I think there's more opportunity today than there ever has been in the history mm-hmm. of America. I don't believe there's diminishing opportunities. Or uh, You know, we see some of the right. people that uh, you can use Jeff Bezos for an example who uh, worked on his own, put it's everything it's in for changed. 15 or 20 right. years before Amazon ever. You know, a lot of people think Amazon has taken over the world. They've only been profitable for four or five years, mm-hmm. you know. But it had been around for 20 years. Nobody knew it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, we look at it and we, we think about life and, and what we're going through. And a lot of people look at life and success and their careers as a sprint. I've got to hurry up and get everything done. When really we need to think about it's okay to sprint, but you're really running a marathon. So mm-hmm. you plan today for success, you're going to have 15 years from now, not, not for tomorrow. You know, you plan today for what the end result is going to be, and then you work towards it. So you set your goals, and that's one thing I've consistently done over the years. Every January, I set up my goals for the year, I set them up for five years, and I set them up for 10 years. And so that I can look and say, am I on track? Are these goals consistent with where I am? And can I can I track those goals, and can I get these things done during the year? Well, that's a perfect segue into this word called complacency. So if you feel like you're in a complacent state, how do those goals change? Well, I think I, I struggle with not becoming complacent. I don't want to be complacent, right? right. Um, and it's not that you are. It's just right. you don't want to have that be. feeling. Right. right. And it is easy. You know, it's, it's when you have enough food on the table. It's, when you it's have the cars that you want. Right. You have the vacations. Yes. Right. But 
going back, and I'll come back to that in just a second, if we look at our parents or our grandparents, they went to work every day to earn the food they ate that day, right? Um, uh, they went out in the farm, on the farm, and they gathered the fruit they were going to eat that day. And if they were lucky, they had a, uh, a place to store some food for a few days, maybe a spring house or something like that. We come to our parents, uh, and they're a little further along. They had, they had um, a lot of them, depending on when they were born. Some of our parents were born in the Great Depression, and they barely had enough food to eat, and it affected what they did in life. By the time our generation came along, most of us had a roof over our head, food in the refrigerator, and some of us maybe were lucky enough to buy an old junker when we turned 16 years old to, to drive to school, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. By the time our kids have come along, uh, they have the nicest cars in the family, and they're and they're they're driving them to school. And you go to the school, and you've got, you know, a uh, hundred brand new cars. The juniors and seniors, I mean, that, that get brand new cars on their 16th birthday or their 17th mm-hmm. birthday. Uh, and if they're not brand new, they're still very nice. And I think that not having a struggle in your life, not having to um, uh, worry about the future it can make young people complacent and it can make uh, older people who accumulate a little wealth in their life uh, become complacent too so i think that's across Mm, all 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 uh uh, all genres all genres uh uh, all age groups this and and i think one thing that we've done for our children is we don't make them work anymore you know we follow them around on baseball teams traveling all over the the, the country so they can play baseball that's uh, that's just crazy i mean uh, that in itself is such a huge expense yeah. between cheerleading and dance and travel baseball and all. and and i don't think kids today realize how expensive that is and that just that didn't exist back in, right. in our day if we made an AAU basketball team we traveled to like three cities and they were within 20 miles of each other and that was that exactly. was that was great yeah yeah. But it's not overnight and costumes and and uh, holy cow, that's it, and the pressure that puts on the parents. But the complacency does come in. I think that's one of the greatest things that is a barrier to success is just saying I'm comfortable and I don't really – I may not be happy, but I'm comfortable, so I don't want to give up this paycheck to take a chance on doing something else. You know, I don't uh, – you know, I've, I've – um, and especially as you get older, you know um, – uh, you know, when you're young, and I was fortunate to be young when I started in business, so it was easy for me to go all in all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Took mm-hmm. A, many years. But then later, I had children. They came along. So it, it was a little tougher for me to go all in because I had to have money in, in the account, you know, for food and house payment and things like that. And, and uh, as time goes by, um, uh, you find that your life circumstances change. Uh, but you still have to you have to avoid that complacency and say that, you know, yes, I'm comfortable, but this, I, it, comfortable is not enough. You know, uh, for success, comfortable doesn't mean success. Mm-hmm. It it just means, and, and sometimes it can be the antithesis of that. It's the opposite of success. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, if you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, they'll 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 say probably the biggest thing that they know how they're pushing themselves is when they feel uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> they, when they feel uncomfortable, they know they are really pushing the envelope on on their success or whatever they're trying to achieve, and that is so true. So, for you to say that you don't want to feel complacent, um, I think a lot of listeners out there that's probably how they do feel or are feeling today, and 
it's just easy. It's easy to feel that way because it is comfortable. So if there is uh, ever a message for today's listeners on this show, it would be, hey, it's okay to feel uncomfortable and take a chance on what you want to try to do to better yourself, better your family, better your career, uh, be an entrepreneur uh, or in entrepreneurship or uh, investing or whatever that capacity is. Right. Uh, so uh, what is, what do you think you're outside of, uh, I know you've got a beautiful wife and, and children and they're, they're off uh, in their journeys in life and getting started with life. Um, what do you think your greatest achievement is outside of your family? Outside of my family. Yeah. Um, we know that's number one, of course, with, with you. You're a big family man and and uh, church going and all that kind of good stuff. And right. so what, what's your greatest achievement um, that you feel in, that you've had in your life so far? Well, James, outside of family, I would think that hopefully my greatest achievement is uh, the lack of pride. Uh, uh, that I hope I don't suffer from. You know, I I've have I've tried to never look down on somebody because of their. Um, I try not to look up to them because they're successful, and I try not to look down on them because they're not successful. Because we're all handed a different different um, lot in life, right? And we all handle that differently. But I have been very fortunate. Uh, you know, in uh, a couple of the downturns we've had in the market, you know, we were able to mm. see see through those downturns. When you know, quite honestly, the the it was bleak looking uh we were able to survive that um uh and unwind what we needed to do to start over and inevitably in every downturn we came out stronger in business than we were before the downturn you know so you have to anticipate those things but um uh you know i try to give back to those people who ask uh i've I've learned that you don't give your opinion or your advice to somebody who doesn't ask you for it um and, but when they do ask, you have to be willing to return that, right, and, and give back uh, some of what's been given to you. So, uh, so how do, you know, I think you're a big believer uh, in this. And, um, you know, known Danny for over 15 years, I think, now. Uh, it's hard to believe it's been that long since we crossed paths. Um, so we've had lots of lunches together. That's right. We've, uh, we've shared a lot of uh, personal things back and forth and also we have done business uh together with me being in the mortgage business and uh, his company being in the real estate business um how do you think you pay it forward how do you think you pay it forward um to uh your everyday life or to um your your peers or to your employees what's your pay it forward mentality uh, um, and giving back. Well, I think that's a daily struggle to pay it forward. I believe that, uh, just like my, you know, father told me and, and, uh, other people have told me is you have to give back more than you take out of this life. Right. So you want to leave it a better place. Mm-hmm. And so you do that. Some people, uh, you know, you've heard of the golden rule doing to others as, as, uh, uh, you would have them do unto you. I kind of believe in the platinum rule doing to others as they would have you do. Uh, so, uh, I try to, be there for people who uh, need me, and whether that's a, uh, somebody to talk to because they're, they have a struggle in their life, or if it's somebody who needs advice on how to get started in business, uh, or uh, what keeps a marriage together for 30 years. You know, uh, 
And I think you pay that forward in little pieces. Uh, but there are things we've had opportunity to do. You know, we've donated millions of dollars back into the community, and that's one of the things we're proud of with our business. You know, we've donated the site for the Hendersonville Library that's there now. Uh, we've donated uh, fire hall sites. We bought a school site up in White House when it was available to us to, to, to donate in. Uh, we've given tens of thousands of dollars in, uh, you know, back to the uh, schools over the years. Um, and uh, so I think you pay it forward every day. And I think you, you know, I think it's like anything else. You need to pay it forward. So you need to have a plan on papers. How am I going to give back more than I take this year? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so I think that's important. And I know there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, there's a lot of criticism of big corporations and wealthy uh, uh, people, billionaires and millionaires and all this. But most of the people I know that have had success in life, uh, you've seen them their whole career. They give back, mm-hmm. you know, um, and a lot of times it's quiet, mm-hmm. but I, I, I just don't know many people who have been successful who haven't paid it forward. And then if they did have success, uh, donate a lot of it back. You know, we're seeing that among billionaires in the United States now yeah. where, what is it, over half of the billionaires now have agreed to give back half of their fortunes away before they die? Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you, we don't, you know. You but they to, still get a black eye in, in, you know, along the media and, you look and with at politics. Bill Gates and, and uh, um, uh, Warren Buffett. Oprah. Yeah. You know, the list goes on and on of how mm-hmm. much they give back. And, and I think that's just uh, a testament to, um, you know, entrepreneurship and, and. And some of us can give back money. Others of us can give back time, time. right? Time. And so, you know, here in, in Sumner County, where we both uh, primarily work, you know, there's 270 homeless kids in Sumner County schools right now. And a lot of people don't know that. Uh, but those kids need uh, clothes, and they're closed banks for them, but they also need mentorship, you know. So uh, even if you're not in a position to give back money, you can give back time, you know. And that may be as little as two or three hours a month uh, that you can find a way to give back and, and pay forward or, or pay back uh, some of the success you've had. Yeah. Well, Danny, I tell you, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. We could go on uh, for many, many more minutes, uh, you know, just talking about life and talking about uh, um, uh, everything that we've been talking about today. And I always uh, cherish and, and appreciate all the time that we do spend from time to time and getting together. Our, some of our lunches, of course, we, we're way overdue for lunch. We are. Um we really get together and we deep dive and sometimes it goes way off topic <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes we go down a rabbit hole and and uh we i walk out of there and i sometimes say man i don't know how we got on that topic but i still did learn something every time from lunch so listen i appreciate you being here today my friend um and if you ever um have any real estate needs uh please reach out to uh, halo realty here in sumner county uh, you can Google them. Uh, your website is uh, what, Danny? HaloRealEstate.com. HaloRealEstate.com. He also has a uh, commercial um, um, management company. We have uh, community and property management, commercial go. sales and leasing, residential sales and leasing. Um, we are the largest property uh, management company based in Sumner County uh, with uh, tens of thousands of people living in the communities we manage. Uh, we have an auction division and a construction division. So uh, we would love to talk to anybody that might need uh, some assistance. Well, awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for joining our show today. We hope that you're inspired and do something with your life that brings you uh, 
happiness and joy. Let us know how awesome we are by leaving us a five-star review so we can help keep this content coming your way. Like us on Facebook at Go Big or Go Home. This is James Harper. Our podcast can be seen on all the podcast platforms and also on our website at www.nashvillemortgagelenders.com. Do what your mama said. Go big or go, go home and have a great day. Primary Residential Mortgage, Inc., NMLS 3094. James Harper, Division Manager, Primary Residential Mortgage, Hendersonville, Tennessee, NMLS 71317-131, Saundersville Road, Suite 140, Hendersonville, Tennessee 37075. Primary Residential Mortgage, Inc. is an equal housing lender. Some products and services may not be available in all states. Credit and collateral are subject to approval. Terms and conditions apply. Programs, rates, terms, and conditions are subject to change and are subject to borrowers qualification.